This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Sit back, relax, and let me talk to you for a second, good people. This is Destination Debbie, and I am the captain of this here thing that we do, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at RayGQ, and this is my top takeaways, top observations from the past weekend of college football. But before we get into that, I just want to talk about something that seems to permeate the fantasy space. It seems to just seep through and show its face every single weekend, every single damn day, and it's this community group think echo chamber of follow the leader nonsense that I'm so tired of. And I promise you, those of you who rock with me, those of you who subscribe to the Patreon, who who have been following the show, who, who subscribe to YouTube, who have been rocking with me for over a year, you know that's not what I do. I'm not going to be the guy that just follows the leader because this this big talking head said that this should be the, the number four quarterback in the class or the top rated running back or the top wide receiver. I'm not, I'm, I don't subscribe to that BS, that noise, that nonsense. And that seems to just, I, I, I've told you guys countless times to be mindful of the content you consume because I look at these polls you know, when when I like these polls that come out, who would you take at at wide receiver two? Who's your quarterback one? Who's your tight end three? And they give you these the, the list of names. And I can almost guarantee you majority of the people voting on those polls, they've never watched, scouted, analyzed half of the players that they're talking about. They're just whatever everybody says, it's got to be true. Right. We see that with the quarterbacks, with Zach Wilson. We see it with Kyle Trask. We've seen it with Mac Jones. We see it with the wide receivers, Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. We see it with the running backs with Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. I guarantee you, if you, you ask the casual dynasty fan who the third best running back in the 2021 class is, they probably still say Chuba Hubbard. 
it's it's that type of of nonsense that causes dynasty managers to make horrible decisions and ha- this skewed viewpoint going into the pre-draft process. And I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I subcame to some of that last year. And because of that, it caused me to push down players that I had touted for over a year. And I'm not going to let that community group think, follow the leader BS influence how I disseminate the information as far as prospect evaluations to you guys. You listen to this show for authenticity. I'm going to tell it straight. And let me just say, by saying that, that does not mean that I have all the answers. I am not all knowing. I cannot see into the future. I do not influence these players or plays. I can't call the plays. I can't do any of that stuff, you guys. I mean, I hope that does not come to a sh- as, a, as a shock to anybody listening. But when you're talking about player evaluation, it's not difficult. It's not hard. Does it mean that the the players that I tout or the players that other people who are good at this, that I consider good at this, that they're going to pan out and hit and fire right away? No. Right now, it's looking like the biggest miss that I have is wide receiver Jalen Rager. Is that because of his skill? I, I mean, I don't think anybody can fairly grade that right now because, hell, he missed half of the season with an injury. The Philadelphia Eagles look completely inept. And when they do get him the ball, you do see the explosive dynamism, the playmaking ability that I highlighted throughout his time at TCU. We saw that today with that punt return touchdown. We saw him catch a long pass from Jalen Hurts. We saw him take an end around 11 yards. Like the, the talent is there. And it just, it stinks. It sucks for him. It sucks for you all, for us in Dynasty who have Jalen Rager, that the player that went right after him just eclipsed a thousand yards on the season. Justin Jefferson balling out of his mind. But let's not forget that Justin Jefferson's playing better than Henry Ruggs. He's playing better than Jerry Judy. He's playing better than damn near every wide receiver in the 2020 class that was drafted with any significant draft capital. And do we know that he, what if the Philadelphia Eagles selected Justin Jefferson and the Vikings selected Jalen Rager? Like, do we think that Justin Jefferson solves the offensive line issues, solves the play calling issues, solves Carson Wentz's clear regression and deterioration at quarterback, the offensive line troubles? No. So, when, when when I am telling you my thoughts and opinions about a player, it's just that, how they are as prospects and how I think they'll fare at the next level if they get the shake, if they get the break. If, if Jalen Rager wasn't drafted in the first round and he was a fifth round pick, he wouldn't have been a top wide receiver for me. You have to adjust to information that's presented to you currently at the time that you're going to disseminate it. And that's exactly how I feel about the wide receiver class in this 2021 group. I have had Rondell Moore as my highest rated wide receiver for over a year. I believe in the special playmaking ability. I believe in his talent. I believe that he will thrive inside at the slot at the next level. But the information that is currently being presented right now at this very moment It appears that there's another king at the top of the wide receiver totem pole. And I'm talking about Alabama wide receiver Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith went nuclear once again this past Saturday. 
and this is takeaway number one or two, I don't know, went nuclear against Derek Stingley and LSU. And as I'm watching this game, and, and even before the game, I tweeted out that Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase will be the first wide receivers off of the board in 2021. All kinds of backlash. No way. He's too little. He's too small. Yada, yada, yada. It's the system at Alabama. How many, I mean, how many years are we going to continue to talk about it being the system at Alabama that makes these players? Devonta Smith has jumped Rondell Moore for me in my rankings. And let me tell you why. Because I am aware that Devonta, that, and let me tell you why. I am aware that Rondell Moore's fantasy career, fantasy success, is going to be largely predicated on his landing spot. He is going to be a slot receiver. He has to play inside of the slot. That's where he can thrive, and I believe that right away he can probably be the most dangerous weapon in the NFL as a slot receiver if he's deployed correctly. But we've seen time and time again that NFL coaches, although they are the brightest minds in the football world, are inept and they want to fit round pegs into their square holes to fit their offensive scheme. The coaches who seem to let their players thrive and do what they do well, those are the teams that are playing well. Those are the teams that have continuity. Those are the teams that are doing well. Devonta Smith is not landing spot dependent. I don't care where he lines up. I don't care what team he's drafted to. He is the most pro-ready wide receiver in this 2021 class. While everybody wants to talk about his 175-pound weight, when have we seen him miss a game? He has not been injured. I've never seen him, hell, miss a play. He's taken shots. He's gotten up. He blocks. He runs well after the catch. He can catch the ball high-pointed in the air. He's got fantastic body control. He's got speed, explosion, hands, route-running ability, and he's done it in the SEC for two straight seasons. He's 467 yards away from breaking Jamar Chase's SEC receiving yards record and six touchdowns away from setting the SEC touchdown mark with three to four games left outside of an injury he will shatter the sec receiving yards record and he will uh, maybe come close to breaking the ncaa all-time receiving yards record at 2060 my big takeaway is he's fantastic He's a pro-ready wide receiver, and when you look over the past couple of years, there's a very real argument that he has been the best wide receiver for the Crimson Tide over the past couple of years. My next takeaway is Keaton Slovis is ridiculous. His, His ball placement, his accuracy, the touch on the ball... I'm not a fan of statute quarterbacks. I'm not. I, I'm not a fan of quarterbacks that just sit back there. They have zero mobility, can't move. I don't need you to be Lamar Jackson, but damn it, I need you to be able to move around. And Keaton Slovis, he ain't moving anywhere at the next level. He's not moving anywhere. But what he does well is deliver the damn football. I'm watching Slovis tonight, and when I stop watching the USC-Washington State game, He had well over 200 passing yards and five touchdowns. I mean, hell, he threw four in the first quarter to Amon Ross St. Brown. But as I watch him, he just looks like an NFL caliber high-end starting quarterback at the next level. Like, he's going to come in as a 2022 first-round pick, and he's probably going to start right away. And I think he's going to be, you know, a a high-end QB2 from from day one in Dynasty with – 
immense upside. His accuracy, his touch, his ball placement, his command of the offense. And it's just been fun to watch Slovis's uh, ascension and transition into this elite prospect from a guy who was third or fourth on the depth chart a couple of years ago and had JT Daniels not gotten injured, had Matt Fink not stunk it up, we may not have seen Keaton Slovis and what he can do. So let's appreciate the greatness that is King Keaton. He's a ridiculous player. And when you're talking about super flex in 2022, him, how, and then you've got the great talent that is Brees Hall, but Keaton Slovis, absolute monster. We finally, finally got the Bijan Robinson breakout game this past weekend. University of Texas absolutely destroying Kansas State. Robinson only had nine carries in that game, but it went for 172 and three. Uh, he had a run where he looked like Earl Campbell. I mean, running through the Kansas State defense, and I get it. It's the Big 12. It's Kansas State, and I don't give a damn. Bijan Robinson was one of the highest rated running back recruits coming out of high school last year for a reason, and now he's finally hitting his stride. RIP to Keontae Ingram. If you have him in Debbie, you might as well let him go. I wanted him to be a thing so bad. He's got the size. He has the athleticism. I believe he has the three-down capability, but... He hasn't showed it. He's probably not going to get drafted until day three of the NFL draft and struggle to make a roster. Don't even know how explosive he is. Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson have kind of taken over that backfield. Bijan wheels up for him and his his outlook moving forward. The 2023 class of running backs with Robinson, with Seth McGowan, with Jameer Gibbs and Kendall Milton. And oh yeah, that guy uh, in Auburn, Tank Bigsby, amongst others, Kevon Lee, uh, Jalen Knight and Donald Cheney Jr. I mean, the list goes on and on again. And Marshawn Lloyd, who tours ACL from South Carolina, it's the 2023 class is going to be absolutely ridiculous, folks. Bijan Robinson starting to look like that highly touted five star recruit that we all were coveting in our Debbie leagues this past summer. Zach Wilson from BYU, they suffered their first loss to Coastal Carolina, and it was actually a really good game. A lot of back and forth in this one as far as just high-tense drama. You know that you could see that Coastal Carolina wanted to bring it to Zach Wilson, and it was a rocky start for Mr. Wilson to start the game. I mean, he was looking a little rattled, and that's what you get. What I've noticed with Zach Wilson is teams that pressure him, teams that blitz him, mix up their zone and man coverages, he struggles with that. He has the arm talent. He has more than enough special ability in his arm. He doesn't have a cannon, but he can make all of the throws. He does throw the ball with the zip, and it's crazy to watch him throw the ball because he his back leg is never on the ground. He always kicks his back leg up, but he's got the arm talent to make all the throws, but Zach Wilson is not a day one starter in the NFL. I know a lot of people keep talking about if he goes to San Francisco, it's wheels up. If he goes to San Francisco, he's going to be on the bench behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's what's going to happen. That's what needs to happen. He does not need to play year one. Uh, he's one of those players that I think if if you forced him to start majority of the season as a rookie, he's one of those players that I feel like it could ruin him. Like, you don't want their confidence to be shot and them not feel like they can recover from it. I think he needs to sit for a year, grow, just at least a year. And then I think you can we can have something really good on our hands with Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, he he had an okay game, but I think the Heisman hopes uh, this game have been dashed. It was their toughest competition outside of the University of Houston. 240 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Ran the ball well, you know, kind of scrambling around. I think he's, I think he's a good talent. I think he's a, a first-round pick. 
He's not a high-end first-round pick for me, and I still have Trey Lance and Mac Jones rated higher than Zach Wilson. He's my QB5 in the 2021 class. I know he's got that Colt following, but I'm trusting my process. I'm trusting what I see. Zach Wilson, uh, a nice talent, but still a ways to go for me. Takeaway and observation number six, five, I have no clue which one it is, but I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I have not talked about this player one time on this show. I I don't have this player ranked in my database. I will get that fixed. But Kevin Harris, Kevin Harris, the running back out of South Carolina. Oh my goodness. I finally got to see him play and boy, was I impressed. 21 carries, 210 yards. <laughs> 21 carries, 210 yards, averaging 10 yards a carry, one touchdown versus Kentucky. He's got 1,100 rushing yards on the season, 15 TDs. The problem is South Carolina stinks, right? They're 2-8. and eight. They got blown out by Kentucky. How do you run for 210 yards and get blown out? Blown out 41 to 18. But at 5'10, 225 pounds, Kevin Harris, I, I, I got to get this guy ranked. I have to get him ranked, and yes, this was supposed to be the Marshawn Lloyd show, but Harris is making it very, very interesting for what the Gamecocks are going to do in that backfield moving forward with Luke Doty at quarterback, Marshawn Lloyd coming back from that ACL tear. Kevin Harris is a player who, uh, let's have him on our radars, need to have him ranked, need to continue to follow this young man because he can play. Takeaway number eight, De'Ara King continues to play well. I I don't know what King can be at the next level, but he's a player that I I can see making spot starts, right? We've seen players like Kendall Hilton or Milton Kendall, whatever his name is from Denver, make a start. PJ Walker from the XFL, AAF to the NFL, Garrett Gilbert. We've seen the Mason Rudolphs of the world take snaps. De'Ara King's going to make a roster. Derek King is going to make a roster and he's probably going to play well. He's got the dual threat capability. He's got 20 touchdowns on the season, 20 something touchdowns, only four interceptions. We know what he can do with his legs, but he looks okay as a passer. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Derek King is going to be a first round pick. I'm not saying that he's some high end talent, but Derek King is going to make a roster. Derek King is somebody that in, in your deep dynasty leagues, After your rookie drafts are over, if you're sitting in the fourth round of a super flex or two QB league, you might as well take a shot on a player like De'Aaron King. He's got the talent. And with these dual threat quarterbacks coming in, look, Jalen Hurts wasn't the most prolific passer during his collegiate career, and he was still able to make some throws today that I said, hmm, maybe. De'Aaron King, another one of those guys that may have a shot to do something if called to duty in the NFL. Takeaway number nine, we've got to give Michael Carter some credit. You know, we, we've talked about Javonta Williams on this show quite a bit. Got him ranked at RB3 in the 2021 class. Still there, even though he only had three carries this past weekend. But Michael Carter is explosive. Michael Carter is good. Three more touchdowns for the young man this past weekend. And he he's a player that is sort of being overshadowed by the Javonta Williams hype. But uh, I don't know if we should be giving Carter a little more love and praise for what he's doing this season opposed to Javonta Williams. Now, I still think Williams is the more uh, prototypical NFL running back, right? He's got the size, does have the power, can catch the ball. Then Williams made some some damn good catches this past weekend. But Michael Carter is one of those players going to be a day, day three pick, day three pick, explosive playmaker, change the pace back, a satellite plus type guy. But really got to get 
give some respect and just due to what Michael Carter is doing for the University of North Carolina. It's fantastic to see him playing well, as well as Daz Newsom. A little two-for-one takeaways. Daz Newsom finally starting to look like the guy that I had talked about all summer. Just an explosive slot receiver. Another one of those guys, probably a day-three pick. Uh, somebody that you can grab late in your rookie drafts. I like both of these players, Carter and Daz Newsom. Definitely a little bit of stock up from their play these past couple of weeks. Takeaway number nine or 10. Shit, I don't know. I forgot. Austin Jones out of Stanford, 5'10", 200 pounds, went over 130 rushing yards this past weekend. Stanford, he's got, he's a nice little player, man. 5'10", 200 pounds. I know the Pac-12 is on, and they're off, then they're on, then they're off. But Austin Jones, you know, a lot of people were excited about EJ Smith and what he could be at Stanford. David Shaw still wants to run the ball. Austin Jones, he's not going to be fully unlocked this year. They're not going to play enough games. But next season, Austin Jones could be one of those names where we're talking, you know, who are the top backs in the Pac-12. If if Jamar Jefferson doesn't declare and he comes back, it's going to be Austin Jones is going to be in that category as well. Very nice little player from Stanford. Somebody you guys need to have on your radars. Takeaway number 11 or 10. Take this player off of your radar. I, I don't know what's going on with CJ Verdell in Oregon. No clue what's happened. No clue what's happening, but it's not good for CJ Verdell. And honestly, at this point, folks, I mean, hell, even Travis Etienne to a certain degree, just is starting to just look regular to me. Like uh, he's still my running back too in 2021. But at this point right now, it's, it's Najee Harris by a wide margin for me. I just do not understand how anybody can watch that man at six foot two, 230 pounds, run the ball and think that he's not the best running back in the country. I, I don't get it. And that's not being, that's no bias. I'm truly trying to understand what it is about any other player that you, that you see that makes you say that they're a better running back prospect than Najee Harris. If it's just the age thing, then I, I, we can't even engage in conversation because I don't care about that. I'm sorry. I don't. You know, I saw people tweeting out little funny memes. Oh, Najee Harris is going to be a grandpa walking across the stage. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's going to be a 23-year-old rookie. Like, how how young do y'all want him? I mean, what do you want, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds? He's a professional running back right now, and we're looking at the shelf life of these players, three, four, five-year windows. Najee Harris will be 28 in five years. Okay, trade him then. Trade him. Package him up, move him. If you don't want him after then, then fine. He's a player that I, I think his his game is going to age well. He's very nimble. The difference between him and Henry, Henry isn't avoiding contact. Henry's running through it, running over him, taking those big blows. Najee Harris has the agility, the lateral quickness, the receiving ability to avoid some of those massive blows, but he does have the power to push the pile. There's nobody better in the country than Najee Harris at running the football. Uh, I know this was a CJ Verdell take and this turned into like takeaway 11, but Verdell is, he's got to go. And honestly, folks, I just, after, after Najee, ETN, Javonta Williams, Gainwell, Jefferson, throw Chuba still in there because of the straight line speed. I mean, he does have talent. It just, it's very underwhelming. It's very underwhelming. If there was a, a way for me to pivot off of, RB four or five in 2021 and secure either Isaiah Spiller or Kyron Williams or a Brees Hall level pick in 2022, 
I would do that. I'd pivot to 2023 to lock up one of those high-end talents. This 2021 running back class is just, it's not good. And out, and I really need to see what Kenneth Gainwell is going to weigh at the NFL Combine. All right, folks, that's my top 10, 12, 13 takeaways from this past weekend in college football. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, uh, please rate and review the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. A lot of good stuff going on over there. Make sure you stay locked in. Ben EB Elite Seekers later on this week. I'll be posting more content on the channel. And if you want exclusive access to your boy GQ, patreon.com forward slash all gas and remember stay away from the group think we do not subscribe to the echo chamber of follow the leader rankings and player evaluations over here at destination debbie but that's it man i'm rambling y'all know what's next drop the music